and Happy New Year! And welcome to SMARTS, which, as you know, stands for Sunday Means Again Returning TARDIS Stories. (laughs) I am your host, Julia Gulia of Internet Fame, Dash Podcaster, and with me as always is Trevor, a.k.a. Rudiger Q Podcaster! That's me. We're recording episode 220 on 2020. We did not plan that. It's true. Although, I kind of planned it. Well, maybe you didn't plan it. I didn't plan it. You planned it? Oh, you are the clever one in this outfit. Okay, so let's kick things off and kick off the new year and the new decade with news. There's no news. Wah, 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 wah. What was your comic of the week? (laughs) I picked Dial H for Hero, number 10. Correct. Yeah, (laughs) correct. I bothered to write it down this time, the issue number. Um... I know it's kind of a dark horse pick this week because we had a lot of really good, amazing picks, but there were two reasons why I picked this. Well, on top of the art and the story being really, really amazing, um, what stood out to me most was the moment where they show the dial as the map of the multiverse, which was awesome, and the moment when you have to uh, fold over the issue to uncover the revelation in the story it's such an old-timey comic book trick i i didn't read comics when i was a kid but i know that th- this was a um a fun and common well, thing to do well it was more of a mad like magazine pa- fold in yeah of thing. There's, they, i don't i don't think anybody was encouraging you to fold your comics necessarily but mad magazine certainly did it yeah um every now and then and so i i read the whole thing we are both robbie reed it was great it was um um, it was a lot of fun, and I, I really enjoyed it for those two. On top of everything else, for those two reasons. So that's not why to I mention it all the crazy mashups and oh, yeah. what was it Earth thirty two with all like Super Martian and mm-hmm. Aqua but Aqua Flash Aqua Flash yeah. And um, who else? Um, Wonderhawk and whatever else. Starborg. Starborg. Well, uh, th- that was just the that was just the one character I, I suppose theorizing what. That person's name might be right because she did. She wouldn't have known for sure. They she'd never seen. No, these I think before. I think they listed off a few, and Starborg was among them. Right, but that was the girl character whose name I can't remember that had just arrived on that Earth. She wouldn't have known who the who those people were. She was just spitballing. Yeah, well, she spitballed pretty well. I because I mean, at least the Martian thing was right, and Aquaflash was definitely mentioned by one of the other characters on that Earth. So, um, with Jokero, <laughs> Jokero was mentioned, um, and then a giant robot of Harley Quinn. Har- Harley Quinnator. The Harley Quinnator, I think. The Harley Quinnator, yeah, was destroying the Earth, um, and then yeah, we got to meet the the alternate versions of themselves. It was um, Danny the Street mashed up with Miguel, so right. <laughs> that was great. That was it was a fun issue. It was it subverted expectations. It was really cute, and then dun dun dun, the dramatic ending leaves you wanting more. So you know. It's really wonderful, and the art was fantastic and over the top today, this time. So, yeah, that's why yep. I picked it for it was my a lot comic of, fun. of the week. What did you pick? So I picked Justice League Dark number eighteen. Nice. So that was a really good one too. I feel like Justice League Dark kind of you <laughs> dark horse, I guess, um, <laughs> kind of flies under the radar a lot because mm-hmm. it doesn't get as much tension as Scott Snyder's Justice League uh, main series. But I think it's been um, just as consistently good, if not more so. I feel Agreed. like that it hasn't it hasn't necessarily been as variable because it's been telling one. I guess, it, I guess you could say it's not a Justice League storyline. It's been telling one long continuous thing with the whole Justice versus Doom perpetua right. thing. But um, I don't know. Like I, I think I think the story is just as good. Mm-hmm. And um, 
and I think it's an interesting mix of characters, and I think that they're doing a lot of, he's doing a lot of interesting things, juggling um, a lot of different aspects of the mythology, like bringing back Khalid as a, you know, mm-hmm, as sort of mm-hmm. like the Dr. Fate understudy, and tying in, you know, esoteric, mystical characters like Witchfire, and then, you know, Blue Devil shows up for a bit, and yeah. Constantine's around a lot, and then you get this new, um, you know, Dark Justice League Dark, um, Justice League Light. I don't know what uh, what you would call them. Um, where you've got um, Cersei with her team of Solomon Grundy and Papa Midnight and Clarion and mm-hmm. um, Floronic Man, and they sort of they bring the dra- the dragon skeleton that's been in the Justice League Dark's headquarters this whole time. They sort of bring it back to life and set it against the team. And at the end, it looks like Khalid might have to step up and become Doctor Fate again. To bring Naboo out of retirement after he tried to destroy all magic. So it's definitely really, it's a really interesting storyline. And Wonder Woman makes this sort of, this deal with the Upside Down Man. Says that she can give yep. him give him what he wants if she helps and the threat of Cersei. So yeah, yep. the stakes are definitely ratcheting up. And this is going to, I mean, this is another prong of the sort of multifaceted story that Scott Snyder has been coordinating with you know, everything from theoretically everything from the Lex Luthor stuff to the Batman Who Laughs stuff to this is going to come to like some giant head right? sometime this year. And we're start- we're already seeing with this new Hell Arisen series that we read the first issue of a couple of weeks ago with the Batman Who Laughs and Lex Luthor thing kind of coming yes. together. And this is going to be another element of it. And it's all going to lead into some big new crisis or something that they're teasing. But Right. I wonder where Ra's al Ghul is in all this stuff because... Um, I remember a while back, so you mentioned uh, Lex Luthor and we were just talking about Cersei um, and the three of them for a time were like the Dark Trinity. There was a little storyline that was interesting there because they were um, actually posing a threat, the three of them bending forces. And yeah, that was in the titular Trinity series. That, right. that hasn't really, they had they haven't really played that up much. I mean, the only thing that he, we're seeing him now in, I think, is Batman and the Outsiders. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, we'll yeah, see. We'll, we'll see. see. But yeah, that's a good pick. Yeah, no, I'm really enjoying it. Okay, so move what's on to my quacktivity? Pop quiz. So uh, last week was such a hit that I thought I would give you more Google autocomplete suggestions. <laughs> okay. okay. Yep. All right. So number one, mm-hmm. why is so? These are related also to things that we either watch this week or are discussing on our show this week, right. as always. So okay. number one, why is Jim Gordon? Mm-hmm. All right. So why is Jim Gordon black? Why is Jim Gordon working at Arkham? Why is Jim Gordon a traffic cop? Or why is Jim Gordon a detective? Um. Um. Uh, working at Arkham. No, that was one of the suggestions. That was based on something so that happened in up? the Gotham show, right? I mean, kind so people of. Would have been, maybe? If people tuned in for some random episode, they yeah, might have. Like, so oh, the one I made cool. up was why is Jim Gordon a detective? I don't know where the traffic cop thing is coming from. Was that was that an episode of Gotham that I've forgotten? Why is Jim Gordon black is based on the fact that the actor playing him in the new The Batman movie is Jeffrey Wright, who is African-American. So I, I imagine that's why people are Googling that. Wow. Um, but What kind tra- of people are Googling that? Well, I don't know. it's a weird question to ask. Yeah. But I mean, I don't know. Like... Sometimes there's a, as dumb as it sounds, sometimes there's a story behind it. Like if you were to Google, like there were a lot of people confused when, 
um, the Justice League ca- cartoon came out that Green Lantern was black on that show because they didn't know from the comics that there were multiple Green Lanterns and it wasn't Hal Jordan, it was Jon Stewart, right? Oh, okay. So, and if they didn't know the name Jon Stewart, what do you Google to find out why Green Lantern is a different race than you remember him being in the comics you read when you were a kid, right? Yeah. <laughs> Google isn't judging you for, <laughs> for how racist <laughs> your search queries sound. You're like, why is, why is there Green Lantern black on the show? Can, you know, yeah. could be theoretically a legitimate question. Yes, could also You're be racist. You're being very generous to the human yeah. race. So okay. maybe there's more than one Commissioner Gordon, like theoretically there is, right? Because in Batman Beyond, it's Commissioner Barbara Gordon, right? Yeah. So might be, is this like his half-brother or something? Like, the, it is comics. Theoretically, there could be right. an in-universe explanation. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, like Wally West, right? There's two Wally Wests. Yep. One is black and the other isn't, right? Yep. So there's yep. a story there. Um, a very confusing story, but a story nonetheless. All right. Number two. Mm-hmm. Why is the 13th Doctor... Okay, Ooh. all right. Yep. Why is the 13th Doctor... Not a man. Why is the 13th Doctor a woman? Oh, why is the 13th Doctor female? Or why is the 13th Doctor a girl? Are you kidding me? Female. No. Why is the 13th Doctor not a man? Not is the one that man. I made up. Is the one you made up? Is the one I made up. Oh, God. That's funny. You don't want to see some of the ones that I didn't include. <laughs> I do. I do. I want to. I no, wanna... you don't. Yeah, no, I really do. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go find that one out. All right, number three. That's terrible. Mm-hmm. Number three. Why is Wonder Woman? Mm-hmm. All right. Why is Wonder Woman so hot? Oh my God. Why is Wonder Woman in 1984? Uh-huh. Why is Wonder Woman not an Avenger? Or or why is Wonder Woman flying? Oh, I think you made up flying. Correct. Yes. <laughs> I banked on the utmost stupidity. Some of these, <laughs> some of these questions are more legitimate than others. Obviously. Oh my god! All right, number four. Yeah. Why is Constantine? All right. Mm-hmm. Why is Constantine British? Why is Constantine going to hell? Why is Constantine gay in Legends of Tomorrow? Or why is Constantine important to Christianity? <laughs> Possibly talking about a different Constantine. Oh. <laughs> Oh dear. Um uh Oh British. You made up British. Yes, I did. Yes. But that that wouldn't that be the most logical one of all for people that saw the Keanu Reeves movie and then are wondering why he's now all of a sudden I'm sudden f- British? Exactly. I'm finding That's the most logical question of all of these. That's why I chose it. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Please continue. This I mean, awesome. there's some of these are factually incorrect. Like, he's not gay in Legends of Tomorrow. He's, he's always he's, been bisexual. But I guess he wasn't portrayed that way necessarily explicitly. In, that's not true. So, what's that? What's what's not true? In Legends of Tomorrow, he had a fling with um, Katie Lott's character. Yeah, as that's well why I said as, he's bisexual. But I'm telling you that in Legends of Tomorrow, he was portrayed as bisexual. That's, he was flirting that's with everybody. That's, that's why I'm saying that this is... Well, incorrect. All right. I don't want to get too. Uh, maybe maybe I'm reaching outside of my my area of expertise here. But when when someone is referred to as gay, isn't that sort of a mutually exclusive thing? Like you're you're, you're yes. straight. You know what I mean? So he's not. That's what I'm saying. He is not gay in Legends of Tomorrow. Well, that's he's what bisexual. I'm yeah. Right. That's that's what I was saying. Yeah, I agree. I was saying that this search query is incorrect. I agree with you. Okay. Okay, we're saying like, the same thing. It sounded thing. like you were correcting me. No. All right. <laughs> okay, now I understand. All right, number five. Mm. So there's no sentence here. It's just the name, okay? So oh, Silver right. Swan. Okay. All right. Silver Swan Soy Sauce. 
Silver Swan Recruitment, Silver Swan Duck, or Silver Swan Automaton? You made up Automaton. No, I made, up, made, up, I made up Duck. Oh, I was going to say Duck. I was going to say Duck. It was between Duck and Automaton. I chose poorly. Is this so? So I guess, I mean, I did zero research on this. I guess maybe Silver Swan is like a brand name of soy sauce or something. I think it might I be. don't know what Silver Swan recruitment could possibly be. Is Maybe it's like a company. Maybe it's the name of a company. Maybe. Silver Swan Automaton, maybe they make robots or something. Like, is this, is this like? Yeah. Is this like? Um, what was the name uh, of the com- what was the name of the company in Rossum? Right? Maybe it's like the yeah, it's Rossum, like a Rossum Corp, equivalent. Yeah. Um, yeah. So duck, I thought Swan duck. That'd be something I that just you know that's why I should have picked it. I so picked you got it. I got two. Yeah, you got two. You got British and uh, flying. I yep. think. Yeah. Correct. All yes. right. But again, I think that those are some of the more reasonable questions, right? I know, that's why Because sometimes I he's British, sometimes he's not. And correct me if I'm wrong, but in the old Linda Carter TV series, she couldn't fly under her own power, right? Correct. So yeah, if you watched, if you watched one of the recent cartoons, you might be like, wait, why is she able to fly now? So it's the, you, know, you wouldn't necessarily say, why is she flying? But like, yeah. why can Wonder Woman fly would be a logical question, right? And in fact, Could it's... Be. Often not explained, right? Because the other Amazons can't fly. And usually, and sometimes it's not explained why, if or why she is any different in terms mm-hmm. of her abilities than the rest of them. Yep. Right? Anyway. It's a mystery of the dance. So shows this week. So we have Star Wars Resistance. Mm-hmm. We have Harley Quinn. And we have the season premiere of Doctor Who. Mm-hmm. Spoilers be warned. So Star Wars Resistance. So we watched two episodes since last time. So Breakout, which was part two of the two-parter we talked about two weeks ago, where they go to rescue a... Um, resistance person, agent, mm-hmm. um, on this planet, and they run afoul of this bounty hunter and the First Order, mm-hmm. um, and they get into some pretty nasty-looking fights, and they got separated at the end. So we see in the conclusion here, everybody makes it out okay. This guy comes back with them, I guess, although he says, hey, do you want to come join the actual resistance? So maybe he's going to go off to where the other more important characters are, and yep. we won't see him again until the end of the season. Um, yeah, I mean, everything sort of resolved neatly. Yep. Um, there wasn't really too many lasting consequences from it, but it was still enjoyable. Yep. But the next one, um, Mutiny, um, wasn't quite as um, tension-filled, I guess you could say. Mm. Like, it, it didn't quite feel like the stakes were as high, but the what ends up happening by the end of the episode has more lasting repercussions, I think, because the pirates that were on board the Colossus are shuffled off to fend for themselves. Yep. And Sonara ends up staying behind and... Yeah. The, the mutiny was not ter- again like the mutiny it didn't feel the, terribly high stakes. Right, it didn't really. It is a kids show, and the whole time that we were watching this, I was definitely thinking like, this is definitely a kids show. There's no, there's no serious battering. There's no actual uh, death in this one, like a real mutiny would have. Um, the the most hurt, even the robots. Well, get they got hurt. the they got the wacky you know, and they right do, in there. Sure, they. Well, I mean, yeah, sure. I like the Roger Roger, but I'm talking about like um, uh, Doza's assistant, whatever her yeah. Those the only person that actually gets shot, right? Is and she even L- didn't get no. L- I'm thinking L- of the one 14 from, or no. something like that. You, no, don't don't I'm, mix it up with uh, Lando's three from yeah. Right, don't mix it up with Lando's co-pilot. Um. Anyway, it doesn't matter. She's great, by the way. Um, but to do do, to keep it short, I mean, there. You're right. It felt like low stakes. I was definitely thinking, oh, this is definitely a kids show. But still, I mean, you're you're seeing, you know, a nice representation of 
what all the characters mean to each other and you also see how well they resolve it and where Sonara chooses to build her future. It's an important character arc for her even though yeah, it's not really we, spend a lot of time I on. mean she's had a she's had a nice arc I suppose but it's not like we really felt a lot of tension as to which no. way she was going to no, choose. She's no. been pretty solidly on the good guy side for like a season now. Right. Even so, when she was bad she was it's not like she what, had moral compass. It's not like what they're trying to do with Tam where you can kind of feel like yeah. she's being pulled in two different directions mm-hmm. or something even though it's kind of frustrating for the audience at least you kind of buy that she's conflicted you know right, whereas right. here not so much yeah um harley quinn so this one was called you're a damn good cop jim another. gordon so this is the <laughs> another hilarious jim Cor- <laughs> gordon befriends clayface's hand. hand severed hand yeah yeah evidence um jim gordon's going through a rough patch with his marriage and he is really really in dire need of some emotional support from to- batman Emotional support from Batman. Yes, his friend, who he sees as his friend, and Batman being Batman is like, I don't have any friends, you're a co-worker. Um, thank you, Diedrich Bader. He continues to be hilarious. Um, and and so he just lays it all out there for the evidence, which happens to be a sentient hand. Um, and the rest of the band is trying to re- regroup on that, while Harley's motivations are definitely streamlined towards her own goals and selfish desire to join and impress the members of the Legion of Doom. Um, and everybody learns a valuable life lesson. Hilarity ensues, and the hand gets reabsorbed into <laughs> into clay into Clayface in short order, and just stops being sentient and separate from. It's um, host. It was just hilarious. It's it's cool how even with such crazy stuff happening, they still manage to have like an actual character arc for Harley Quinn in each episode. Like mm-hmm. she's either, you know, she's either learning to overcome the the harsh truth about her origin or in right. this one she's learning, you know, that she can be selfish and she learns, right. she needs to learn to look out for her people more and not, you know, leave Value them behind. Her friends, yeah. <laughs> oh, crap. <laughs> I mean, it's played it's played for last, but you, there is actual character growth from exactly. episode to episode. It's a really well-written show and it's got hilarious moments too. Like King Shark rock, walks in, he's like, I'm so happy to be using my mind. Like, I, nobody ever uh, leverages my computer the, skills. The, Home the, jumps. Go, the, Gotham, the Gotham justice system works fast faster in his case than it ever literally ever, ever. has before <laughs> so hilarious. where he gets he gets taken down arrested tried convicted <laughs> booked, booked, booked convicted tri- tried convicted sentenced and, and imprisoned, and imprisoned in, in, in about in a three day. and a half seconds yeah, yeah. that yeah. the displaying of that was just hilarious and he's sitting there and he's he's like a kingpin by the time to come to break him out <laughs> he, he escapes while screaming threats at the <laughs> at the inmates oh my god it's just so funny yeah and then we have the uh, season premiere of Doctor Who. So this was part part one of Spyfall. Oh, boy. So this features in no particular order uh, Stephen Fry for about four yeah. minutes. Yeah, but um, he was great in those four minutes. He was great, but I mean, you I get Stephen him. Fry on your show and you kill him off after five minutes. It seems like a bit of a waste, especially if you're doing a two-parter. You think I you know. could kind of thread him through the whole thing a bit I more. I know. It's really um, sad. So before we get to like the big, the big reveal at the end, which I feel like is kind of the most discussion-worthy thing, um, so we yeah. had, looking back on last year, we had, um, we had mixed feelings, I feel like, about the last season, where there, I, I would say that we, we were sort of of one mind about it, where the things that we really enjoyed mm-hmm. were the development of the supporting characters, Ryan, Graham, mm-hmm. and Yaz. More Ryan and Graham than Yaz, I think we would say, because one of the things that we she didn't think they did, shifted, she didn't yeah. get quite as much development. Yeah. Um, we really enjoyed... Um, some episodes, particularly we, we remarked the historicals, 
Yeah. Which normally to me tend to be like some of the more forgettable episodes. But Rosa and uh, Demons of the Punjab to me were two of the best episodes. Probably the two best episodes last season. Yeah. Um, But uh, and we felt that, you know, the acting, the supporting supporting characters uh, Mm -hmm. were uniformly good. The show looked amazing. Yeah. The music by the new composer had a really, you know, really interesting new sound to it. it, Um, But I think some of our uh, qualms included um, sort of a, a... lack of clear focus on exactly what sets the 13th Doctor apart from her predecessors at times. You know, like you could very easily look at the 12th Doctor, especially early on when he Mm -hmm. was so cold and And new and and, new uh, in his form. Right. And you could be like, oh, well, man, this guy is like completely cold and ruthless compared to like it was they and they ended up softening him, obviously. Mm -hmm. But that was in stark contrast to what we had seen before. Yes. And she is, too. But what what sets her apart from, say, like David Tennant's doctor? They're similar in a lot of ways. And and there are slight differences, but we have we felt like they haven't really drilled down as much into her as, as they could have. And we felt that Yaz kind of got a bit of the short shrift, in ter- particularly yeah. particularly her background as a police officer seemed like it was mentioned and then never really came up, even in circumstances when it would have been When it would relevant. have been so useful, yeah. And I think we felt that... And yeah, she's still in training, apparently, because a PC is... Yeah, is... well, we'll get to that. We'll yeah. get to that. But then I... then um, And I think that we also felt like a lot of the sort of more traditional Doctor Who stories, like the, the sci-fi stories, mm-hmm. felt a little not terribly um impactful well well they, they didn't feel very unique ah. you know like there were there were episodes which just felt like yeah that's an episode of doctor who set in space you know and the supporting performances were good and the the performances from our main cast were good yeah but it's like yeah that's not really anything that sets that apart from any a um, hundred other doctor who stories set in the near future you will be or hard in space or something. true and this is where we sort of were also forgiving in that you'll be hard pressed to find an original a truly original. Well, but like, I mean, to you, create there, something there were a in lot the of, library of stories that's already been told in the Doctor Who setting. But if you look at, there were a lot of episodes in the Davies era, or the Moffat era, where even though they were set in the future or in space or something, were incredible. But the, mm-hmm. these just felt like the, the the they felt like the more the more forgettable episodes of the season were tended to be the ones that you, the Doctor Who normally excels at, and right. the, the ones that we thought were most memorable, the historicals, were the ones that felt that. It, Often, to me at least, felt like, oh yeah, I remember the Agatha Christie episode. There were bees or something, maybe. Like, (laughs) you know what I mean? That doesn't stand out, right? And obviously, there are exceptions, but um, and I think, and and I think you need look no farther regarding that criticism about like the quote unquote like big bad of the season, Tim Shaw, right? Right. He was there in the first episode, and then he made his triumphant return in the final episode, and everybody's like, oh, he's back, I guess. I guess. Like, yeah, yeah. I kind of remember him. What was his deal? He was just evil, I guess. Right. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. And his name was a joke, and he's a, yeah. like, I don't really remember anything about him. Like, that that was their big threat, right? Like, right. oh, he's coming back at the end. I'm like, okay, I guess. Like, yeah. that's the best you can do. Um, So th- I feel like that's kind of, you know, so yep. like highs and lows, right? So the consensus about this premiere from, you know, f- fans and reviewers and people who are like big Doctor Who fans seems to be that it it's definitely looking like they're, they're – Correct, correcting makes it seem like, you know, they're like, oh, we made a lot of mistakes. We got to fix them. But it, it seems like this seems stronger in a lot of the areas that last season felt weaker to mm-hmm. us. Um, in no particular order, Yaz gets more to do. And they actually lean into her. They don't, you know, not just at the beginning where we're see, we see her needing to take more time off from her police 
job, yeah. but also in the thing where she and Ryan have to go undercover as reporters. I think you can look at that and say, yeah, the reason why she was so much more confident in yes. that than he was is because she's got a certain amount of training and how right. to deal with these kinds of situations. Yeah, let you know? her do all the talking, yeah, which was so, great. Which is great. Um, I feel Finally. like I feel like the show and the other thing people said last season is it seemed like the show wasn't really compared to the Davies or Moffat eras. It didn't really seem like it was having as much fun. Mm. It was like maybe a little too serious. And I feel like this episode was definitely a lot more fun. A lot you of know? fun. Yeah. Um, and I feel like it's not I don't know that they've necessarily done a lot more to develop the 13th Doctor in this one episode than they did last season. But the more time you spend with her, I think you do get more of a sense. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and and this was an episode that took place in the present and had sci-fi aspects to it, but they were new and interesting, you know? Right. It wasn't just like, oh, here's a ship that's, you know, f- collapsing or here's people on a desert planet and they're trying to get a thing. Like, this was this was like a new, interesting sci-fi, sci-fi plot. Exactly. And even though it was set, and even the episodes last season that were set in the present, like that one with um, Chris Noth in like the hotel that they couldn't get out of and the right. arachnids in the UK was what it was called, right? Oh, yes. That was fairly forgettable also, even though it had some good performances it and did. stuff in it. That. This one's set in the present, but much more compelling, mm-hmm. right? They've got mm-hmm. like the tech angle in there. There's like this uh, secret invasion by like alien spies, basically. And they're like taking out the spies on Earth. Right. And then you got this new character who, you know, is revealed to be something else at the end, which puts a really interesting twist on it. Right. Maybe, I, I, I mean, there's no, there's a lot of reasons why last season might have, you know, fallen a little short in some of those reasons. It's a new showrunner. It's an entirely new cast, entirely new crew. It's basically like season one of a show, right? And right. season one, you know, is oftentimes, especially in hugely complicated sci-fi shows, they tend to improve over time. Witness right. like literally every Star Trek yeah. show, right? Um, so it's not surprising that it's more confident here. But I feel like they just, there's more, but maybe one thing, what I was going to say was maybe one thing last year, like I, I applaud Chibnall for saying we're going to have entirely new threats, entirely new species, Right in mm-hmm. in this season, I almost called it season one, season eleven, um, and they yeah they did the Daleks in the New Year's episode, but that wasn't technically part of season one, so he did you know right. keep to that promise. Mm-hmm. Yep. But I mean, maybe it just is that like he as a writer and his writing staff are one of their strengths isn't necessarily coming up with like hugely compelling new alien species. Like maybe they can right. they can write compelling characters and they can tell interesting stories and obviously they can shoot the hell out of it. Yeah. Um, but maybe they're just just that's not where their strength lie in creating, you know, the silence or the Vashta Narada or yeah. the Daleks or the Cyberman or the Jadoon or mm-hmm. you know, any other any iconic the, or the angels. Or the weeping the, I knew yeah. I was Ooh. forgetting a big Moffat one, right. The we, the weeping angels. Um God, nightmares. So but Still. that's but that's fine. You know, like there were a lot of errors in Doctor Who history that leaned into more the classic foes instead of creating a lot of new stuff. And maybe this is just one of those. And so I think that, you know, the Dalek New Year special was pretty good. And mm-hmm. I feel like here you know, and we're going to get to it, but you're intru- But this episode was really good even before the big reveal at the end, I feel like, right? Mm-hmm. And who knows, maybe it'll go off the rest in the second part. But from what I've been seeing by trying to avoid spoilers, it seems like people are happy with the second part too. We'll, we'll see. We're going to watch it after this. But, you know, so spoiler alert, they reveal that this character played by Sasha Dewan, who we know from a few things, most notably, right. most recently, the uh, supporting role in the Iron Fist Netflix series. Mm-hmm. Um, we think that he's this uh, sort of meek, yeah, uh, a cast former off agent, yeah. recluse, former intelligence officer who's you know living in his crazy Unabomber style shack, yeah, and and uh, in the middle compiling, of Australia, compiling information about aliens and and all sorts of things, right? Um, in the in the outbacks of Australia, is ac- actually the master in disguise, 
Mm-hmm. Um, dun, dun, dun. And, he's, and he chose his name. I love that this is a running theme with the master because when she was Missy, he oh, likes plays on names. He loves plays on names. He, she was Missy. Um, well, Missy for short for mistress because she can't very well right. call herself the master. Isn't, now, wasn't there I? a thing when he was the prime minister? Wasn't that name an anagram for something? I something? think it was. Yeah. Um, Her- was Harold Saxon. Wasn't it Harold Saxon? That's not an anagram for anything, but there was something to do with no, the name. No, Sistin or something. I am no, the it master. Was, it did. It did. Well, anagram you're thinking back of you're thinking of uh, Professor Yana when he was played by um, that dude, <laughs> that old dude, uh, with the fob watch. When he remembered who he was, Y A N A was short for "You are not alone," which is what the face of Boa told the doctor because he knew the master was still alive. Right. This is going back to the tenedary. You should remember all this stuff. Um, yeah, I forgot. But. Uh, but yeah, but apparently, and I was listening to, you know, podcasts and stuff, and they're saying that there have been other periods in the classic series where the master would show up in disguise, but his name would always be the tip-off because it was like a simple anagram or something a bit more complicated. So the master definitely has a history of using his name as like a yes. clue for the doctor. Because mm-hmm. there's like a certain element of like the Riddler to right. him. where mm-hmm. he, he It's not that he wants to be caught necessarily, but he enjoys the chase, right? Like yes, if Batman, ne- If Batman never... never Tried to was was not if his clues were so good that Batman was not able to follow them, it wouldn't be any fun for him, right? right? Mm-hmm. So, and I feel like there's a certain element of that here too. Yeah, and so this time he picks uh, Agent O, because the the realization, the moment when somebody goes, oh, <laughs> he he enjoyed that. So that that was this 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 go around. And we only get a few. We only get like two minutes at the end of him actually being who he is. I so it's too know. early to really say oh, yet. But he's so exactly good. what he's going to do with the it. The way the light. Oh my God! His steady gaze and that mischievous, delighted, evil gaze that he was giving when when he was just savoring how the doctor was respond uh, yeah responding to all of the clues there and f- all the watching all the p- pieces fall into place when she realizes who he is and um <laughs> that little wave he said hi <laughs> just mm, so good as compared to his other persona i mean uh, just the the way he acted when he was the mousy um agent the cast off agent the the lambasted for being a conspiracy theorist the way he was acting in that persona as compared to the delightful evil maniacal genius um on the plane going oh da Good. I love it. I love it. I love it so much. I am not surprised that they cast him. But why don't you uh, tell everybody where you you finally remembered his original co- uh, connection to the Doctor Who world, which was well, there might be more than one. But what I what I remembered or, or was pointed out to me online was that uh, he played Waris Hussein in the Adventures in Space and Time uh, TV movie, which was a dramatization of the actual story of the creation of Doctor Who and uh, its existence over the first few mm-hmm. years starring uh, David Bradley as William Hartnell mm-hmm. and then in a weird bit of I don't know something you know he would later go on to play the actual first doctor in Doctor Who but this is another element of them and there's been a bunch of cross-pollination there too because the actress that played um was it um Jessica Raines I think that played uh, Verity Lambert in that one also had a role in um in, in a Matt Smith um Jenna Coleman episode Hyde Opposite oh. um, Doug Ray Scott, who now plays um, Jacob Kane on Gotham, on, on uh, Batwoman. Oh, oh, interesting. He was a professor and she uh, he was like a ghost hunting professor and she was his assistant who was secretly in love with him. And oh. they were in this, they were like ghost hunting in this old manor and the doctor and Clara showed up. 
but then it turned out the ghost was actually like this time traveler from the future who was like out of sync with time or something mm. and they had to like sync up with her to stop it is it I ringing any remember. bells this was a season no. seven episode i think um but yeah so there's always been a bit of cross-pollination but it's like he was a known entity to them right you know and of that course was four yes. or five years ago at this point um yeah but he's really good um so we'll we'll see where it goes from here of course it raises all sorts of questions about like is this a version of the master we've seen before but in a different in a different form or is this like a version after missy so and if so like does he remember if so he would remember that he was like redeemed basically right and then turned bad again i don't know it, it you know they don't necessarily need to address that because there's been all sorts of ups and downs in that in that arc and that relationship over the course of over 50 years so right they don't necessarily need to address it but so the 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 one thing I'm just curious because, you know, you've seen, you haven't seen all the masters, but you've seen, you know, all the modern versions, right? There was mm-hmm. the guy, God, I can't believe he's a, a classic guy, but the guy that played before he regenerated into John Sim and the, the guy with with the fob watch. It's a classic oh, British actor, but I can't remember. I know, his name. I know his face. I, I know anyway, exactly who he is. So there was about. him, and then, of course, there was John Sim, yeah. and then there was Michelle Gomez, and now. This guy, right? Yeah. I don't think I'm missing any. Oh, because you didn't see the the Eighth Doctor TV movie or any of the classics. No, so you didn't see the one where it was um, Eric, not Eric Lopez. God, Eric, Eric Roberts. You didn't see the one where it was Eric Roberts. No. He was chewing, chewing. You know who Eric Roberts is, of right? Of course. Yeah, chewing the scenery as the master. Oh, that's um, great. Yeah, it was a little weird. So I, I I've been seeing people say that in 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 behavior, this at least in this few minutes that we've seen of him. Seems to be definitely not not of the of the um, Missy bent, more of like a not like later John Sim, like when he came back to mm-hmm. team up with Missy, but like right. early John Sim in terms of just like how almost manic he was, mm-hmm. you know. Mm-hmm. Um, it's interesting because you know the the Doctor Who longtime Doctor Who fans, you know, who have written and podcasted about this stuff are like, what's interesting about the Master is that not always, but the best Master Doctor stories are the ones where the version of the master is like a dark reflection of mm-hmm. the doctor as they existed at the time. So the mm-hmm. first version of the master was very much a dark reflection of these sort of erudite upper yes. crust. Yes, yes, yes. Um, God, I'm terrible with names It's today. Sherlock the, Moriarty. The father of the guy yeah. that played Alfred on, on um, Gotham. Sean the thir- Pertwee. The, thir- the third doctor. Sean Pertwee. Um, no, John Pertwee. John, John Pertwee, Pertwee is the doctor. Sean Pertwee right. was up. Yeah. Um, so there, there was very much a dark reflection of him. And then there was, you know, then it kind of got a little muddled. But then you get to John Sim and David Tennant. And I feel like there was, you definitely had There's that. There's really a they juxtaposition. They young, yep. very, they could be very animated, very emotive. But mm-hmm. he like had this sort of twisted sadism about him and like yes. this gleeful joy in doing evil. Yes. Then you get to the, then you get to Capaldi and Michelle Gomez. And it's like not quite as easy to see at first blush. Yeah. But he's like this, this um, stayed older gentleman. And she's like this not young not young but you know younger woman and he's like very emotionally restrained and she's like sort of like flirty and yes. slinky you know what i mean um so it, it is sort of like an interesting juxtaposition and so so coming all the way back to one of our qualms about last season where i felt like we don't really get a real sense of what makes this doctor different than past incarnations traditionally there's been no better way of really highlighting what makes this doctor what makes a doctor unique than than pitting them against a version of the master because especially when it's because there were versions of the master that fought fought multiple successive doctors so obviously in that case he can't be like the perfect reflection of any one doctor because he's faced off against several but in a situation like john sim and david tennant or michelle gomez and peter capaldi or now sasha dewan and um jody whitaker yes 
when the doctor is when a version of the master is created by the showrunner specifically to face their new version of the doctor yep as just a thought exercise you can't help but think okay what what what, fault, would be what the faults of, image well, what faults of, of the new doctor is this master going to exploit knowing them better than anyone as they do you yes. know mm-hmm. like how is well, how is this doctor going to react to the master are they going to you know like are they going to be dismissive of them are they going to be vengeful against them are they going to try to redeem them like right. these are all things that would tell us right one of the one of the great things that the arc that they gave to the 12th doctor yeah. was was and a lot that had to do with him becoming a kinder more empathetic character i felt like was the evolution of his relationship with missy and the way that he went from treating her as an enemy towards trying to rehabilitate her mm-hmm. right yes um if we get anything of that caliber here it could really do a lot to show us well what makes her di- what makes her different in the way she responds to the master than the way the 12th doctor did for example right. mm-hmm. so it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. i am very much looking forward to seeing the next episode and i don't, and it's it's always interesting when they introduce the master early on in a season because mm, yes you've got a lot of unless room you're gonna to play. Ki- unless you're gonna kill them off like there's a bunch of different ways to do it like in in the the john sim thing he was teased throughout that season yes and then we didn't see him till the end mm-hmm. with the missy thing she was there in the very first episode but we didn't learn she was the master until four five six appearances later but she was the clearly ver- the threat right at the very end of the season right here you're introducing him at the very beginning and you're making it clear he is the master mm-hmm. so now presumably unless he he regenerates at the end of this second part he will be out there as an existing threat and could show up in unpredictably in other stories and then maybe in the season finale or whatever it's 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 good to have him out there as a threat you right. know sometimes sometimes the show tends to treat the master as such an important villain that if you're going to bring them back it has to be the big finale and they have to die dramatically at right the end. you can just have him out there like the joker mm-hmm. you know and he can show up at unexpected times or do unexpected things it doesn't ha- always have to be the big threat that ends a season and they can only show up once or else it will dilute the power of their no they can just show up you know like Mm -hmm. missy did after that first season she would just show up randomly one thing i appreciate about the master in all of his incarnations is how patient he is because all of his plans seem to take years to unfold cartoonishly I know, long cartoonishly long amounts of time, yeah. And a lot of resources, a lot of brain power, a lot of focus. how long was he living as this dude, just sitting in that He described it. He was, like, he was like, he took over his body the first day, and he played out all of like the things. Like 10 theme. years or however yeah, long that's he what I'm saying. He, his first day as the new operative, it, what, he, uh, he replaced this poor person and kept his shrunk down, dehydrated body for more genetic material because in this in this version when he regenerated he regenerated purposefully to take somebody else's well, identity. Well I don't know if we necessarily know that. It's not he might not have necessarily regenerated with a certain face in mind because mm, I'm not sure they can do that. I no. think I think he just he regenerated or this is some other version of the master that just has a different face. Like but he, he used, took somebody else's body. That's yeah, great. But he like used, deliberately he used technology yeah. or science or whatever to like change his appearance you know right and now he's like in star trek where they just wave the the medical (laughs) tricorder at your face and all of a sudden you're a klingon or whatever (laughs) right exactly i don't so i don't surgery is easier i don't think that he necessarily like directed his regeneration in any sort of unique way because that's never been a thing that that time lords could do no it's completely random i think it was just like this this could be you know eric roberts or whatever (laughs) he just happened to he just like 
altered his post regeneration because clearly he's in league with people that can alter genetics right that's the whole shtick of whatever these aliens are that he's in league with right Mm -hmm. they can alter alien genetics he's in uh he's in charge of them it seems yeah um so yeah that's that's very very exciting and interesting and yeah we have the new villain with uh being controlled by the villain we know and love and um of all the villains to dip back into doctor who history for i'm glad chibnall chose the master because it's definitely going to breed some very exciting stories well and he's definitely he's definitely like the seal has been broken because we know this season from trailers and stuff that the cybermen are coming back and the jadoon and and the, do you remember the rachnos do you remember what that is that was the no. big spider queen woman oh, okay. that 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 was in Donna's first episode, The Runaway right. Bride. Mm-hmm. She was like under the sewers and she had kidnapped Donna's fiance. Yeah. Do you remember that? Yes, I do. And the doctor was gonna drown her until Donna reminded him of like his his better Demons, side, yeah. you know? because um, that was the whole like, oh I have to travel alone. But like no, if you travel alone you you forget who you are. Right. And like yeah. Yeah, you need to The show doesn't do that as much anymore. <laughs> Can you picture like Jody Whitaker's doctor everyone any Jodie Whitaker's doctor turning like all dark and brutal just because she has to travel alone for a few years or something. That was very much a David Tennant. It was very much yeah. a tenth doctor thing. It was his version of the doctor was definitely prone to his darker impulses when not kept Checked in check by, by a humans. friend. Yeah. 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 But yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing how they resolve it. And then, you know, the rest of the season will be like one-offs. And I think they're going to do some two-parters. That's the other thing they didn't do last season. They were all self-contained stories, right? Mm-hmm. No two-parters. So yep. we're, we're starting right off with a returning villain and a two-parter. Mm-hmm. So they're definitely trying to switch it up this season. But I feel like that speaks to them just being more confident. And it's the thing that, you know, I'm getting a lot of this stuff from the Doctor Who podcast I listen to, but... The people on there are very knowledgeable about it and, and say, and I, I, I know I would agree that I definitely really loved the Moffat years. Um, and sometimes he would make, he would take big, crazy swings and sometimes he would fall on his face. But when he took a big, crazy swing and it connected, mm-hmm. you know, yeah. that's when you get blink or that's when you get yes. heaven sent or yes. that's when you get, you know, yeah. so take more big swings. Like last season, I think that, that, the best episodes were ones that were different. Like we said, that were unique. Yep. Like they'd mm-hmm. never done an episode set in, in you know, An- segregation times in the yeah. U.S., right? Holy crap, um, yeah. But then when they tried to do, oh, we'll just do like a sci-fi episode set on a ship or something. It's like, and it mm. didn't feel, but just take bigger swings at it. Like you know? FedEx in the future. Do okay. do, do do a two-parter. Yeah. That's like a James Bond pastiche, That was right? great, like, yeah, yeah. Like they'd never done that before. Nope. Like take, take big swings and yep. you're not always going to succeed, but at least it'll be interesting. Like, like the Moffat years... Even even when he did something and it was like a failure, it was at least interesting. Right. You know what I mean? It was at least compelling to watch. Even yeah, it gave you something like, to think about. Didn't make any sense, and this char- <laughs> characterization was dumb. But at least it was at least it, it kept your interest and it was unique. Like you remember the the dumb stuff that would sometimes happen yes. on the show because it was at least memorable. But mm-hmm. a lot of last season just felt like more of the same, and it shouldn't when you've got a completely new set of people in front of him behind the camera it should have felt new and fresh and at times it didn't so so Agreed. this year it really feels like they're taking more chances being more confident which is really all you can ask because the, the the caliber of the talent is definitely there yeah you know for sure because chibnall wrote going all the way back to the earliest like he's been he's been uh, writing on the show for 10 years now just right. not as the showrunner it's not like he doesn't know what makes good doctor who Agreed. And it's not like these are subpar actors. It's not like the cinematographer is some <laughs> jerk or something. You know what I mean? Yeah, like they, exactly. They know what they're doing. I feel like they just need to, you know. Keep going. Just 
go for it more. And it feels like so far, at least, you know, with one episode to speak of that they're, that they're doing that. So that's really all you can ask. Like you just, you want it to, you want to show in its 12th season or, you know, <laughs> or 50, beyond, yeah. 55th year, however you want to count it. Right. <laughs> yeah. To keep taking chances. Right. Yes. And I mean, you look at other long running franchises, maybe that's why Star Wars has felt like a lot of people are kind of over Star Wars now is because the new movies feel like they're just kind of more of the same. Mm. And the cool, now the interesting stuff is all about the TV stuff, right? Like right. The Mandalorian is where it's at as far as Star Wars stuff because it's new new and interesting, right? right? Star Trek, you know, Discovery has its detractors, but you can't say that they're not doing things differently and taking big chances, right? Agreed. You can't say that short tracks aren't taking chances. You I can't know. say that the cartoon that they're doing coming up isn't going to be something new and different. Even Picard, it's not just more next gen. It's complete. It's a completely different thing, right? Yep. So I think that's what these long running franchises have to do is they have to keep, and I'm not making any great unique proclamation yes. here that a million other people haven't thought of, but it just seems, seems obvious you need to keep doing new things. And Doctor Who has always been a show that has reinvented itself in, in obvious ways. You know, right. liter- literally, the show regenerates and becomes something different every few years. Um, but with that should come the, you know, the inspiration to try a lot of new things, and not just be like, oh, let's put this new Doctor and Companions on like a space station that's running out of air or something and there's a or there's aliens attacking the spaceship that'll be interesting right it's like yeah but we've seen that before like do you know what i mean so the episode after this they're going to like some crazy health spa where there's something mysterious happening like right we've never seen that before right that doesn't necessarily sound super compelling but it could at least it's something we've never seen before right, right. and i mean some of the episodes last year like the, the one where they went to like future amazon that was something we'd never seen before that's true i remember that's at least an episode that i really remember right like, yeah me too it wasn't the Same. best episode no but but then you, you had the one but it where, is interesting was it called it takes you away was that what it was called where um remember there was the i'm trying to remember the exact plot i just remember like the mood of it more than anything else where there was the, the the a father had kept his child oh, confined in the house because he yeah. told him that there were monsters. Or but then turned it it was just like a microphone, it was like a stereo a speaker that he'd set up at to make it sound like there were monsters. Because right. the, the his blind wife, girl, his wife yes. or something had gotten like sent to like an alternate mirror world or something. No, she was dead in this world, and he could visit a right. mirror world where she was still alive. But that was but that was like a really, was interesting really interesting sci-fi kind of premise, right? Yeah. Like it wasn't necessarily the best episode, but it was that was something unique, and you remember that. One. I like that yeah, one. That I like that one. one very good because very much because it was basically like a sentient universe, which was very yeah. interesting. That what part an interesting felt kind thought. of that by that part it felt like okay, this is. This is getting to be like standard Doctor Who, where of course the universe is alive and the Doctor can reason with it. That just that that kind of when it was. I, I liked it, but anyway. I don't know. <laughs> it was for me. That part was for me. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, they should take more chances like that. So hopefully they'll they can they'll they will continue to this season. Yeah, that was great too because I think if I'm not mistaken, that was the first time that they actually had a real blind actress playing. A pretty significant role. I don't. But I, I, mean, I couldn't have even told you that they were blind, so I'll have to take your word no, for that. No, she she really was. They, we watched a featurette. I mean, I vaguely recall it, but I yeah. don't. Yeah, it was great. She was. Um, they were singing her praises too because she was down for all of the stunts that she had to do, um, and she 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 had complete you know professionalism, and she was incredibly like great to work with, and and yeah, I'm glad. Uh, that was awesome. 
So we'll see. I like that episode very much, actually. <laughs> okay. Um, yeah. So if you want to reach out to the show, we have an email address, mailbag at smartspodcast.com. If you want to reach out on Twitter, we are at smartspodcast. On Facebook, it's facebook.com slash smartspodcast. And our website is www.smartspodcast.com. Uh, happy 2020, everybody. And do you have a funny sound for us? No, I do not. How about... Ooh, very good. <laughs>